0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn a couple of places with me because we're going to alternate between John chapter 16 and Acts chapter 2. John chapter 16 and Acts chapter 2. Uh, Today we salute all of our military, those who have served, and uh, we just thank you because we understand that though we are here experiencing uh, some form of liberty that cannot be taken from us and that Jesus brings liberty that no man can take away, we do recognize that we have the opportunity to gather in this fashion without harassment today because there have been so many who have been willing to serve and many who have served sacrificially. So we want you to be mindful of that. We pray God's blessing over you this weekend. I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day. But please, please, please don't forget the reason that we, we're not even really celebrating. It's commemorating and um, we just we just pray that you don't forget that or take that lightly, and that you live with a spirit of thanksgiving in light of the sacrifice of so many. But in the, in in addition to it being Memorial Day weekend, it is also Pentecost Sunday. And uh, so I'm especially excited to share with you today because uh, and and to share in continuance of a message that we began last week. Uh, I shared last week a message entitled "The Hardest Part." Because, you know, often we find ourselves in seasons of great difficulty and that season of great difficulty is, is waiting. It's waiting and, you know, I've, I've actually had my thoughts challenged on that this week and just how, how difficult that is and like, what, is that really the hardest thing? And, I, you know, I've, I've realized that tragedy can strike sometimes and that's painful, that hurts, but tragedy is sudden and it's swift and... Um, You know, the the pain of that comes quickly, but if the healing would come as quickly, what really gets us is the span between the hurt and the healing where we're waiting. And we're just just hanging on for God to do something in our lives, and often we find ourselves in that space. I, I really didn't realize, and this is just a credit to the Holy Spirit because he picks our messages, not me, and, you know, I really didn't realize until after last week's uh, message how impactful this word would be. It was more than I'd estimated because person after person came and approached and, you know, began to share their story about the challenges of waiting. And, and I just, you know, I knew that the Lord was working and wanted to say more on the topic. So I'm happy that we have a second week to share this. And I'm, I'm also excited that we have the opportunity to share this in the context and and from the point of view of one of the greatest narratives of waiting that's found in Scripture here in Acts chapter 2, because that is about waiting. And uh, I want to just preface today's message by saying this, that we're going to do a lot of contextual application this morning, okay? Meaning that we're going to talk about some principles, and you may not see the exact scenario in your life, But the principle can be applied. The principle will be present. You'll be able to take the principle and overlay your situation and say, "Uh uh-huh, I see myself here. So that's my prayer is that as we talk about the experience of the early church, the apostles, that you will see yourself in the text that you'll see your life situation in the text and that you will come to the same resolve and conclusion that they did and that resolve and conclusion is that it's not by might nor by power but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that you will gain victory in your life, that you'll walk in victory, that you'll live in victory over the circumstances or the challenges of life. So um, we've all been there. Uh, We've all been there in times in life when we're trying to do the math of life. Like, we are trying to add X to Y and make it come out to some reasonable solution that makes sense to us, right? You're, you're presented with these life situations, you're scratching your head, you're trying to figure out why, Lord, why this thing, why this scenario, and how. How are we going to do the thing that needs to be done? And today, I want to bring you back to the early church, the disciples, kind of that time In between and just after In between Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection Or his ascension And then the time immediately following his ascension And we're going to find Jesus' followers there And they are are positioned in one of these How, why kind of scenarios Where they're just looking on at life Saying, you know what? I'm trying to figure this out But in myself I'm coming up bust Because I, I don't have what it takes right now I want you to think about this with me for just a minute, that one of Jesus' concluding teachings to his disciples is a, is a, is a, a, a narrative that you and I call the Great Commission. That here's, here's this group of people, and we're going to back up and we're going to consider the group here in just a minute, because that's, that's something else to behold. But here's Jesus saying to his followers, That you are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my commandments. That's that's the charge that Jesus is giving to this group of people. Now let's consider the group of people. Okay, They're fishermen, they're zealots, they're carpenters, they're almost everything in the world except... Trained preachers Okay, As a matter of fact When the heat of life has been applied When the testing has come Many times they have failed the test They have looked on at challenge After challenge After challenge After challenge Lord these people are hungry Send them away So that they can get food Jesus says Well why don't you feed them And they said Lord we only have this much, and what is this much among so many? And then they learn that little is much when God is in it. At the foot of the hill of, of Mount Transfiguration, they're there, and they're confronted with a man who brings his demonized son who's writhing and under the, under the oppression of that demonic spirit, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they believed, and they spoke with authority, and they tried to cast out, yet they couldn't. And Jesus comes and says, "You have little faith." These kind only go out by prayer and fasting. With a word, Jesus brings deliverance over and over and over again. Look, you know, and I, I can imagine, I can imagine that that just can we apply human nature like right now human nature, because I imagine that in the three years that Jesus was here doing ministry on earth. These twelve people that followed him the closest were what you and I would identify in this generation as chest thumpers. Jesus walks in, Jesus turns the water into wine. They say, That's my boy, right? I'm rolling with him. We are his squad. We're with him. Jesus raises the dead. They say, Very good, that hey. We're part of his group. We're with him. We're, he's, yep, we know him. He, he does a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and they're just like yep we're glad to be a part we're right here we're part of it but as Jesus time on earth begins to shorten he begins to say things to the disciples like the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests we, I've got to go there and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die and then all of a sudden they're like uh oh uh-oh, you're going to go away, but yet you've commissioned us saying that it's our responsibility in your absence to perpetuate the ministry that you've begun. And so far, almost every time that we've had to stand to test, we couldn't pass. What are we going to do? I want to ask you, how many of you are ever looking on at life's situation and just going to <laughs> ooh, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I don't know know how we're going to pull the resources together. I don't know how I'm going to find the strength. I don't know where I need to go. I don't know what I need to do, but I know that something needs to be done because things can't remain this way forever, and there has to be an answer somewhere. And, and here are these disciples I can imagine that over and over and over they're just even if they don't verbalize it one to another here's these guys they stand bewildered by the fact that they're incapable of casting the demons out of the young boy they're reflecting back on their embarrassment as they have suggested that there's no possible way to feed the multitude only to watch Jesus take the lunch of a single little boy bless it, break it, and feed the multitude and, and all of them all of them you understand this that when Jesus was arrested in the garden every one of them in great cowardice ran away. All these guys that were going, yeah, that's my boy. All of a sudden, they're gone. They couldn't couldn't stand the heat of scrutiny. Even Peter, the the best we've got in this scenario is Peter, and the Word says that everybody else scattered, but Peter followed afar off. And then even following afar off, we find him later by a charcoal fire and he's denying that he even knows Jesus. Yet into the hands of these people, Jesus commits a commission and says to them, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the God. What if they withstand us? I don't know how this is going to work because we couldn't even stand by you in your moment of trial. We couldn't stand by. We couldn't even stay awake to pray for crying out loud. And you expect us to go and evade. Do you ever feel that tension in your life? I, I, I've searched myself, and what I've realized is that I don't have the necessary resource. To accomplish the thing that's in front of me that needs done I don't have the wisdom to figure out the calamities that life presents I don't have the wherewithal to be able to navigate difficult circumstances and situations I can't find it in me but the truth is that it's not in me it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord and These guys are there, they they denied Jesus, and here's this handful of guys who days earlier weren't able to stand before others and at least recognize that they knew him, and they've got this commission. I would categorize these two things. Like, here's these people, here's this responsibility. I would would categorize these two things uh, as highly unlikely, if not highly improbable, that this group of guys is going to be able to do this thing. You maybe have some situations in your life that you're looking at right now that seem impossible. Like, Lord, what, what am I going to do? How is this going to get done? And over and over and over, we're, we're just scratching our heads. And I, and, and they, they said... They said to Jesus, the scripture isn't clear here. But I wonder if they had already formed a commission on evangelism to try to strategize together what they were going to need to do in order to get the gospel around the world. I, 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 you know what, in my mind's eye, and this is my imagination, take it for what it's worth, it's a dangerous place. But in my mind's eye, I can imagine these disciples convening again around the big table where they had the Last Supper. Like, they're back there again, and they're, they're just going, you know, what, what are we going to do? And somebody says, well, you know what, I don't know, we've been a lot of places, we've seen a lot of people, but we know that the places we've been and the people we've seen are not all the people that there are. Because we've also talked to people who've been further than we have, seen more people than we have, and here we are, we're back at the miracle feeding again as they're considering the task before them and looking at their resources and saying, but what is 12 among so many? Even if they convene after the day of Pentecost and they say, well, you know, there's a 10x multiple here, but what is 120 among so many? How, how are we going to evangelize the world? How are we going to, to do that? Jesus, you can't leave. Jesus, you can't leave. How many of you ever pray and you tell God what he needs to do? I've got to be on more often, more often than I'd like to admit it. I have been down in the, in the depth of my wisdom and I'm just telling God how I've got it figured out. Lord, if you would just do God... If you would send this, God, if you would do that, Lord, if this person and that person and and this situation, this scenario, and I just, and they they said, Jesus, you can't go. You can't go. There's nothing good that's going to come out of you being gone. They had watched him heal the sick and raise the dead. They'd seen him cast out devils and perform providential miracles. They were beginning to wonder how this is supposed to work with Jesus absent in body from their presence Lord you can't go nothing good's going to come out of this if we were left in charge there would be people starving on the hillside with no miracle of loaves and fishes to feed the multitude if we're left in charge there's going to be people still writhing under the influence of demonic oppression and possession because we're incapable Lord if you go who's going to heal the sick who's going to raise the dead And Jesus says to them, you may not think it's a good idea that I go away, but on the contrary, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is, the King James says, it's expedient for you that I go away. It is most helpful for you that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. See, when Jesus was here those three years, he constrained himself. He constrained his divine attributes to the, to the shell of humanity in which he was, and except for maybe walking on water. But on time, as he is now, he, he didn't, he could only be where he was. And as the church began to expand and the gospel began to spread, Jesus knew that he was going to need to be able to have spirit indwelt, spirit anointed, spirit empowered witnesses of the gospel to advance the kingdom's objectives. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we are filled with his presence. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in John chapter 16, he says, and when he has come, when he has come. In other words, if Jesus said, if I don't go, I can't send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So he's sending him to us. And when he has come, Jesus says, who's he coming to? Us. Who's he coming to? Very good. And when he has come to us, through us, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is being judged. And, and they're like, oh, okay, well, good, Jesus, give it to us. We, you know, we were there, we were there behind the closed doors. When you appeared through the wall, you breathed on us, and we received the Holy Spirit. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Lord, now I know you've got a call on my life. I know you've got a greater plan for me, and I'm ready for whatever you have for me. And Jesus says, no, you're not. You're, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet because I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. You're not able to bear them now. And I want to I call time here for just a second because I want to explain something to you that you may or may not ever heard taught before. And that is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now clearly, in the Word, we learn from Scripture that The Spirit of the Lord works in our lives To draw us to salvation To draw us to repentance The the Word says that no man can call On the name of Jesus Save the Spirit of the Lord through him or in him We know that no man comes to Comes to Jesus in repentance Unless he's drawn by the Spirit So there's that work in salvation That work in redemption of the Holy Spirit Drawing us to salvation And then there's the impartation of the Spirit In our lives once we commit our lives to Jesus we say that the lord takes residence in our lives and he does that in the person of the holy spirit but we also learn because these guys in the text we're about to look at they have been saved they have, they, have, they have met with Jesus. He has breathed on them the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. But yet there's a second work that is subsequent to salvation and separate from salvation that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's an outpouring of the anointing, God's power on our lives for a very distinct purpose. And we're going to see that here in just a minute. But, but they're there and Jesus says, wait, whoa, wait a minute. You're not quite ready yet. You're not quite ready yet because I still have some more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. So the instruction to them in light of this daunting task is don't rush into it. Don't rush into it. Don't don't take the initiative to figure it out. But he says in Luke twenty four, forty nine, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And that word tarry there means wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there until the promised Holy Spirit is poured out on your life in a new dynamic that you've never experienced before. He's been active in your life. He's been active in your salvation. You have an impartation of the Spirit, but there's something more. There's a dynamic of the Spirit that I want to pour out on your life tarry there until you be endued with power the instruction is reiterated in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 4 uh, it says here Luke records and says and being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now and that brings us to Acts chapter 2, and we pick up the narrative in chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says this, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost, from, from the time, again, we're, we're going to take contextual application here. We're going to see principle, and we're going to apply it to our lives. I told you a couple of weeks ago that God is not a respecter of time. God is a respecter of process. He's, he's not worried about how long it takes you to get something. He's worried about you getting it. And, and in this instance, what he's imparting to them, there's a, between Luke 24 and Acts chapter 2, that we can figure that out, that it's a 10-day span. This is, this is the time that we're going to see the, the conclusion of a season of waiting. So what had been was that the disciples had been in a season of training as they walked with Jesus, but now they're getting ready to enter into a new season of explosive and fruitful evangelism on their own, walking in a new dispensation that is the outpouring and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, hey, between these seasons you need to wait. You need to wait because I want to prepare you for the season that you're about to walk into. You've come out of one and you need something new, something fresh for the next one. So I, I need you to wait. And, and I told you again last week that God's timing is not as much about the passage of time, but what's happening in us as the time is passing. These weren't 10 days of idleness, understand this. This this wasn't 10 days with the disciples sitting on the dock of the bay, twiddling their thumbs and wasting the day away. This was 10 days of submissiveness. This was 10 days of seeking. This was 10 days of calling out to God and saying, Lord, search me, God, and know my heart and see if there's anything in me that's keeping away or keeping at bay the work you want to do in my life. And Lord, send your presence and send your power that you promised into my life it's a season of preparation and Jesus says during this season he says however when the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he'll not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come and, and in this preparation is taking place, the disciples have been asking about the timing of God's plan. Acts chapter 1, they said, they said God, Lord, what is the plan here? We, we need to know the plan. We need to know what God's doing next. What, what is next in my life? What is next after, you know, after this next milestone? What comes next? And, and Jesus says, wait. Paraphrasing again for you, actually, Jesus says, that's none of your business. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his hands. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. He said, Listen, I've commissioned you to be that witness. And now I'm telling you, there's a power available for you to be that very witness. And it's gonna come in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna receive power after the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna to have to figure it out. You're not gonna to have to, you're not gonna to have to work through this comi- committee to get it all straightened out and do it in your own wisdom. But after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you're gonna receive power to be my witnesses I want to tell you something today you may be struggling through something right now you may be going through a turmoil and a trial in your life but I'm here to tell you today that if you'll get on your face and wait before God until the spirit of the Lord is poured out on you and you've recognized a new anointing you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you for the glory of God to be revealed in and through your life Remember, they weren't ready to preach the gospel until they had received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. According to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, that was the empowerment for their effective witness. And the culmination of their prep for the season was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is where we see it in Scripture for the first time. It says here, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here at the end of waiting at the end of waiting here, what we're going to see as the product of waiting, not, not waiting trying to figure it out, not not waiting grappling to try to understand, but waiting sincerely for the answer of heaven to come and meet them at the point of their sincerest need is a boldness and a wisdom and a strength and a courage and an impartation for miraculous provision. I'm telling you today church, you may be going through a trial right now, but if you'll wait on the Lord, if you'll wait until heaven comes down and glory fills your soul, if you'll wait until the anointing of God is refreshed in your life, you'll be able to stand up in the middle of your trial with boldness and say, listen, I may have to walk through the waters, but they're not going to overtake me. I may have to pass through the fire, but it's not going to be kindled upon me. I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not going to fear any evil because my God is with me. He's a anointing me he's keeping me he's guiding me and no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper I'm gonna be bold in this generation and declare the goodness of God because I have what I need in this moment you can do that you can have that today in the person of the Holy Spirit we don't it makes people just a little bit antsy I've observed sometimes when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit we're cool with talking about God the Father. We're cool with talking about God the Son because our understanding of Scripture is that God the Father is seated on His throne in heaven. And that is somewhere off in the wild blue yonder, we know not where, and, and His Son is seated at His right hand, and there they are, and they're just kind of peering down and looking over. That's, that's what we say, right? That's our philosophy. That's that's the thing. But but when we get into into pneumatology or the study of the Holy Spirit, we understand that, that the Lord is present with us right here, right now. Not only right here, right now, but the Lord is present with you tomorrow. The Lord is present with you in your private place. The Lord is present with you when you're making all them bad decisions. The Lord is present with you when you're seeing and beholding all those things that you have no business seeing or beholding. The Lord is present with you when you're entertaining conversation that you shouldn't. The Holy Spirit will wreck your world if you let Him. That's why we don't like to talk about Him. We keep God the Father and God the Son off over here somewhere, but the Holy Spirit will get in your business and He will change you and he will transform you and make something new of you. And and the truth of the matter is there's an abstention in my flesh that I don't want to let him in. I I don't want him to challenge my thoughts. I don't want him to challenge those bad decisions. I, I don't want him to challenge that thing I said. That thought I was entertaining. I don't want him to challenge that stuff. I just, I just want, I just want to I just, you know what? I just want to stand around and say, "Well, I'm me," and if God intended for me to be any different, He'd have made me different. He's trying. He didn't didn't redeem you for you to be the same rotten, carnal thing that He found you as, but He shed His blood to redeem you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to restore you and to reform you and to transform you from glory to glory into the likeness of His Son that wherever you go, God is glorified in your life. Can I tell you something today that here's something that is so exemplary of what happens when we wait on the Lord? Can I tell you today that his ways are higher than our ways? His wisdom so far exceeds ours because you know I said earlier that we often in our wisdom we get down and we want to instruct God as to what needs to happen. I I, I just wonder if those apostles showed up at the upper room and, and they had their they had their list of what their committee meeting had yielded. Dear Lord, here's our best ideas. (laughs) We're we're sending Peter over here. We're sending sending James over there. We're sending Matthew over here. Bartholomew, he's... I don't know. I still don't know how we're going to get it all done, Lord. We spend so much time trying to figure things out rather than sincerely just waiting on the Lord. And what I'm about to say, I'm not suggesting to you that there wasn't a time that it became a requirement for those apostles to leave Jerusalem. I'm not, in fact, there, there actually is an occurrence that we learn about in Scripture called the dispersion. And the dispersion is when persecution began to settle in on the church so intently that the believers had to leave, they had to scatter and that was an act of God's providence and grace so that the gospel could spread the world over. But in this season of waiting, however, not only has the Lord provided the preparation through the person of the Holy Spirit, but having commissioned them to evangelize the world This is the the call. This is the commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But before you do, wait to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where God's ways are so much higher than ours because we're standing there going, God, there's only 12 of us. Lord, there's only 120 of us. What are are so little among so many? How are we going to get this word out? And the word says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come. And I don't know if you've ever considered this or not, but we're going to read in the text in just a minute. And what we're going to discover here is that God had commissioned these people to take the gospel into all the world. But as he is empowering them with the ability and the anointing to do that very thing, he also brings the world to their doorstep. Here, listen. Listen, listen. Stop looking at me like that. And there were in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation, from every nation under heaven. There there were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Can you imagine how much more effective the ministry of the apostles were when that 120 began to go out, when 3,000 had already gone out ahead of them and began sharing their testimony and telling the good work of the Lord in their lives? Why? Because God's way is better than our way. He knew what He was doing. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because they, every one of them heard someone speak in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled and said to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, and Medes, Elamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia... Ferdia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Let me me give you this, and this is a truth bomb, and then we're going to close, and and we're going to make something incredible available to you this morning. That is always available to you but we're just highlighting it today let me just say these couple of things to the pentecostal church acts 2 says we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of god i say away with the day that we've made the manifestation of the spirit's presence about what we're getting out of it Away with the day when we feel that we're something extra spiritual when it, comes, when it comes to the Spirit's prophetic work in our lives and if our experience with the Holy Spirit makes us feel like some kind of rock star in the kingdom then our focus is in the wrong place. God bless us forever ever reducing the work of the Spirit's outpouring as portraying it to people that they're going to get their prayer language. And that's the end of it. Come on y'all. Let's just all speak in tongues Speak in tongues Do it but Understand this there's so much more about the anointing of the Holy Spirit for your life that you don't have to live a life cowering in fear you don't have to live a life trembling before every piece of adversity that comes your way but you can stand emboldened in the power of the Holy Spirit and glorify God with your life it wasn't easy for Peter to stand up on that day but because of the emboldening of the Holy Spirit oh Peter he would stuck his foot in his mouth so many times it wasn't funny but on this day there was something different you see, the Spirit of the Lord was on his life, and he stood up and said, Oh, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is what was prophesied, spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last day, says the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Hey, this is it. It's happening right here. Right now, it's a new day. And I want to tell you something today, church. It can be a new day for you. It can be a new day for you right now if you respond to the Spirit's call. If you just come and wait and tarry in His presence today and say, God, I'm done trying to figure it out. God, I'm done trying to tell you what to do. Lord, anoint me fresh with your Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, let me live my life not for the ease of my situation but for the glory of your name. I'm telling you, heaven will come down and touch your life. And you will be changed in a moment. You will be transformed from weakness into strength. You will be transformed from timidity into boldness. And you will be able to stand in victory and live in victory and walk in victory. Jesus said, for he will glorify me for he'll take what's mine and declare it to you. They waited upon the Lord. The Lord showed up in powerful ways. You can stand. The Lord prepared them, provided an opportunity for them, multiplied their number exponentially, 3,000 souls added, and said, now go. But now in going, there are going to be 3,000 going ahead of them, sharing their testimony and declaring what God has done. I want to tell you today, church, the Lord, if you'll wait on the Lord, He will go before you. He will prepare a way for you. He'll make a present. He'll make a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Teach us, Lord, Teach us, Lord, to wait in your presence to tarry until we're endued with power. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.